Hey guys, this is Sean. I'm here to welcome you to this week's episode. Hey guys, this is Sean. I'm here to welcome you to this week's episode with PB. Hey guys, I'm Sean, and this is PB with Jays. It's about brains. For those of you wondering uh, why our podcast sounds a little weird today, because we have a guest speaker and a live audience this week. All the way from Memphis, Tennessee. It's very true. Well, technically, he flew in from New Orleans. It's a little convoluted, but the ticket was way cheaper, and we kind of needed a car there anyway. I don't know. It's weird. But yeah, anyway, we have a we have a live audience today. His name is Sean, as you heard in our intro. And the extent of his knowledge about our podcast, despite the fact that he is my brother, is that it's about brains. I think it's a pretty good description. <laughs> I, yeah, it's pretty accurate. It's it's pretty accurate. I can't deny that. People were asking me about it today. They're like, what does the PB stand for? I'm like, physiology of the brain. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it's about <laughs> brains. That's awesome. Was that at your office? That was in my office. That is so cool. That's cool. See, we're expanding our horizons here. We got people flying in. We've got businessmen and women talking about us in the office. Sort of. I was talking about with other interns, but business, <laughs> business interns. Yeah, my parents are. They've. Oh yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, I told you they've they've listened to. I think they binge listened maybe yes. to a few episodes. That's the best way to listen to podcasts. But oftentimes, if they're like real established podcasts, the binge listening is just this bottomless hole of episodes, so you can't accomplish anything. So the benefit of binge listening to PB with Jays is that you can actually finish all of them in one sitting. That's a long sitting. You can finish all of them in one week. Day. Yeah, that'd be, yeah you can do it in a day. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I wouldn't have the patience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, how how are you today, my friend? It's, our, our time here in Houston is, has come to an end, it yeah. seems. This is the, yeah, this is the last episode. In the great state of Texas, to be recorded in the great state of Texas. That's true. Um, That's crazy. It's been a it's been a whirlwind of a summer. Yeah, it's it's really bizarre that it's over. I have to say, uh, passed very quickly. But you know, it's been a great experience so far. Yeah, I would say that if nothing else, it's been synaptic. <laughs> that it has indeed. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so yeah. Wrapping up here in Houston, uh, about to head back home, and both of us are actually headed to Tulane, kind of relatively beginning of August for uh, RA training, so that's going to be a good time together. Yeah, it's coming up quick. Yeah. You're you're headed home in a, two days? Yeah. I'm headed home in like a week. And, uh, and then life commences again as RAs. Yeah. But before we, before we jump into content i'd like to share with the audience um my favorite phrase of the day or the greatest thing i've heard all day have a suspicion i know where this is going oh you definitely do because i wrote it down and you watched me write it down oh goodness so we were sitting here and (laughs) joe was looking at stuff online we're looking at getting another microphone yeah so uh, you guys have probably noticed the somewhat faint sound quality we are working on that uh both with our, our editing skills mostly Jacob's editing skills, uh, but also getting another mic. I think that'll help a lot to each have our personal sound. 
But anyway, that's what we were looking up. Anyways, and then I, I think you're just on Amazon or something. And yep. And this is what this is what I heard from you. Whoa! <laughs> Look at those shoes. They're so cool. <laughs> but it says they're women's shoes. That's uh exactly what it sounded like, and if I recall correctly. And it suits you well because I've. <laughs> so, uh, it did not surprise me. I just appreciated the moment. Yeah, I love shoes. I'm I'm a big sucker for shoes. There are cool shoes though. So anyone out there listening, they have some cool women's shoes on Amazon right now. They're tennis shoes. Yeah. So just get your time machine, go back <laughs> a few weeks. Uh, oh man. Anyway, what's uh what's on tap for today? Today we have Korea. Just kidding. Korea. Korea. Yeah. Not Korea. Not the country. Right. Korea. North or south? Neither of them. Korea. <laughs> Which at first I thought I hadn't heard before, but then I was like, wait, that kind of sounds familiar because we've talked about it a little bit before. I think we've probably mentioned it before. Because you know what we have, we've covered before? Oh, what is that? Huntington's disease. That was like two or three weeks ago, I think. Yes, indeed. Uh, That's what it's from. And if you don't remember, Joe, um, I remember obviously because I understand all the science. Right. Um, Huntington's disease is an inherited disease that causes the progressive degeneration of nerve cells in the brain and i know that because i keep track of all of our outlines um and because i remember but naturally um, naturally yeah we we talked a little about it a little bit with huntington's disease and i think huntington's disease will come into the conversation today a little bit as well most definitely Um, so if you uh if you need a refresher we talked about that one point so check it out i don't remember what episode it was but it's it's on there for sure I think maybe four episode four um but yeah so korea that's our that's our topic for the day i don't remember exactly how i found this one but when i started to do a little more digging in and, and research on it um i was pretty interested by it all i think because so so you mentioned huntington's and huntington's is the sort of the prototypical case that presents um korea but what I found is that it's it's a little more complex than that, and that it's seen in a, in a lot of other different diseases and physiological contexts as well. Uh, so, so we see it in Huntington's, but we also see it in other genetic mutations. We see it in some autoimmune diseases. Uh, we see it in rheumatic fever, uh, specifically. Um, encephalitis is another example. So it's, I don't know, it's interesting. Um, when I was going through this this research. It seems like this has been a pretty well-established and observed and sort of characterized trait that is seen in, in a lot of neurodegenerative disorders and other sicknesses. But uh, the, med- the medical community has just seen this as a symptom. And then just recently, in the last couple decades, we've kind of taken a step back and said, all right, what is actually going on here? Is there a way we can treat this? Because in severe cases, it can be really debilitating. Um, it makes it difficult to eat, uh, to walk, to, to write. So to sort of just live as you are used to living, uh, your sort of typical daily life and daily tasks are really difficult. And so the medical community has been taking a little bit of a step back and saying, all right, well, let's, let's dive into this research a little bit more vigorously. And they're finding that it's pretty heterogeneous, um, meaning that there are a lot of different presentations and a lot of different diseases. So it's a lot more complex than I originally thought it was, which has been kind of cool to go through. 
Yeah. So to kind of sum that up, um, this isn't like, I guess most of our episodes are on like specific diseases. Right. Um, this, however, is not that kind of episode. Uh, it's more, chorea is more of a symptom um, that appears in multiple diseases mm-hmm. and circumstances. So it is a result of something. It, it is not that thing. Yes. Good description. Cool bean. But we have we have done a small injustice thus far. We haven't actually described what it is. So uh, you have a you have a description of chorea for us. Of course, that's one of the things that I am actually capable of doing. <laughs> um, you're you're capable of many things, Jacob. Especially reach finding, for your dreams. Finding definitions, man. <laughs> Webster's. I might send you a resume. <laughs> um, no, because I use you for all my. Di- Never mind. Uh, University of Florida Center for Movement Disorders and Neurorestoration. This is where I got the definition nice. today. Uh, chorea refers to involuntary movements characterized by their random, brief, and non-rhythmic character. Yes. So it's like a lot of abnormal, involuntary movement that's just kind of irregular. Um, right. Uh, yeah. So I, I think the, the word origin is interesting, especially in describing what you just said, the, the definition that goes along with the word origin. I have no idea how to pronounce the Greek word, but imagine it's something along the lines of Korea, Korea, some, something along those lines. Uh, but essentially, it's the Greek word meaning dance, and you can kind of think of choreography, you know. That makes a little sense, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Some, some little uh, etymology for you. Um, but yeah, so it's this, this idea of, of dancing involuntarily is, is a way I saw it described somewhere. I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch any videos online? No, I did not watch any. I should have watched videos, but no, I didn't. Yeah. Um, They were very helpful to visualize what's going on. And it really does look like that. It looks like kind of uncontrolled and moderately uncoordinated dancing, um, and you, it's involuntary, so you just kind of do it. And so I, you could, you can imagine and picture that if your body was just kind of dancing in, in uncoordinated fashions, how that would be really difficult to, I don't know, to do anything, um, you know. And that, and that's the issue. One of the the biggest complaints of the um, chorea symptom is the difficulty of eating afterwards. So, um, but yeah, it, it was a it was a good video for listeners out there. I would definitely say go check the video out because it it really gives you a picture of what we're attempting to describe. But it's a difficult thing to describe, but, um, yeah. But we're going to try and describe it anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this 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 is kind of what the symptoms look like. Um, I'm sure you kind of have a picture in your head already, um, thinking about what you've described, Joe. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of abrupt and irregular movements. And, and sometimes it can look more purposeful, sort of. It just might seem like, uh, a lack of coordination or clumsiness. Right. Uh, a lot of times it'll uh, manifest itself in not being able to hold things well. You know, so you might drop things, things like that. Uh, yeah. See how many times I can use the word things. <laughs> uh, but then it can be more severe, too. It can and it can even affect your ability to walk. Um, right. Yeah, the videos that I saw were a little bit more of what you were describing, that it, it kind of seems somewhat purposeful but largely uncoordinated. Uh, I think that's a better description from what I was um, looking at. But the walking was, was big because it's not just like your arms or your your hands that are having these muscle contractions. 
it's also your legs. Um, it's, I don't know. It looked really, it looked really difficult. Um, it was, it was also from like a, a medical perspective, really fascinating to me because I'd never seen anything like that in any of my classes I've taken. I'm, I haven't seen a picture of, um, these on, on like involuntary contractions, but, um, yeah, I would definitely, if you haven't gotten the point, I would definitely go check the video out. There's a couple of them that you could, you can see, and we could even put a link in the podcast episode for you. So you could just click on that. I will write that down. So we'll do it. There we go. But yeah, so, uh, I don't know. You have anything else for the descriptions over here? No, I think, uh, let's move on to what, what causes this? Let's dive on in. So we have some options here. We do have some options. Quite a few, and we've talked about Huntington's disease, so we can we can jump on that. But right. uh, a more broad way to categorize the possibilities, I guess, uh, it can be genetic. That's, yeah, that's one way, and that's where Huntington's would fall, uh, right? And then they can also be acquired by other things that happen in in life. Um, you can range. I've read some even like pregnancy yeah. can sometimes induce this. Yeah. So, of of all of the reading and descriptions I did of different categories, the pregnancy one seemed to be the least well described, I guess. Um, but pregnancy is that it's an odd chunk of time where hormones are, are very different and um, those hormone differentials affect your brain functioning. And uh, so there's a lot of things that sort of develop and happen in pregnancy that aren't well described and chorea being, being one of them, but... Yeah, so the the what you're saying for acquired, I think a big one is um, immune or infection, which can also kind of be interrelated. But uh, streptococcal infections in children are one of the common connections. That's strep throat, right? That yeah, that's one. Um, okay. That is, uh, I was reading up on that. It's a com. It's for for us common folk. We call it strep throat. <laughs> yeah, I think so. There are other so streptococcal is a pretty common bacterial infection that can look at um you know it can, it can have different effects but yeah one of the cases i was reading online was a strep throat case that eventually led to a manifestation of um chorea so uh yeah it was um that's that's one autoimmune is another big one that they're trying to quantify a little bit better so um one especially associated with hiv aids um an autoimmune deficiency syndrome so you know you have you have all of these categories and what like i mentioned earlier what's interesting to me is that these categories were sort of observed medically speaking but no one ever really kind of decided to see what differentiates them right it was more just hey we see this symptom and these diseases cool let's go on we'll put it in our textbooks we'll teach it to our medical students but only recently have we begun to say well what what's what's happening here <laughs> like what might we be able to treat this specifically or um, yeah, so it's, it's been interesting, but yeah, there's those two kind of general categories there of auto or not autoimmune, uh, acquired and genetic. So, all right, well, that's about all I know to tell you. So now it's your turn to tell me some, or prompt, prompt new topics. <laughs> all right, let's, let's dive in see if we can go a little bit deeper into things. Uh, the, the trouble is sort of, like I mentioned, a lot of this has been difficult to, to dive deep into because they're, I don't know, they're recently have only begun to, to be those deep dives, I, I suppose is an awkward way of, of putting it. But um, let's see. So yeah, I, I kind of talked a little bit about, you know, the, the genetic categories, the immune categories, 
Um, one of the specific types, which is uh, related to rheumatic fever, but also with infections, is uh, sydenums, which is a type of uh, chorea. That's uh, one of the more common ones after the uh, Huntington's-associated version. Um, but yeah, so we've been we've been looking into it and trying to to see is there there different circuitry um, happening? Are there particular regions of brain cells that are dying off? Are, are there um, regions of your brain that are perhaps not receiving enough um, oxygen or nutrients, or um, it's difficult to categorize. But I found a great paper though that was working towards that aim, that was using a lot of sort of new age imaging technology in an effort to better diagnose and categorize cases of chorea. Um, this paper was uh, was pretty helpful in revealing a few of the the big things that I saw. But again, the, the purpose of the paper was to say, all right, let's look at, it was a meta-analysis is what they call it. And a meta-analysis meta in science is when you take a collection of papers written over a particular subject and you analyze all of those papers together. Um, so it's, it's kind of a useful way of saying, this is what we have learned in this topic. I did one of those this week on uh, parent guarantee contracts for international companies. All right. Did a meta-analysis. That's awesome. <laughs> nice little crossover there. That's cool. Um, yeah, so same same idea in science. You, you sort of take a big picture look at things. So this meta-analysis was using imaging techniques, like I said. So um, there was some fMRI, which stands for functional, mm, shoot, functional magnetic, man, I'm not sure. Functional MRI is how I've always thought of it. Magnetic uh, radiant imaging. We got to look that one up. We'll let you know. I should know that. <laughs> um, anyway, they use functional MRI. Um, they use PET scan. That one's positron emission topography, I believe. Um, so they use a lot of these. They use some some other new scans um, that searched for glucose metabolism uh, in in the cell and or in the brain. And glucose metabolism being sort of a, a representation of the cell being active. So essentially, they used all of these these techniques to try and look for what what might be going on in the brain. And so one of the the categories of research was sort of the anatomical and or like regional searches. And so, like I mentioned earlier, there was more uh, what they say heterogeneity than they thought. And this just means that it's not it's not simple. Um, at the end of the day, that's what they're trying to say. So historically, we've kind of said, all right, it's associated with Huntington's, maybe a few other diseases, but it's relatively straightforward. What this meta-analysis found is that it's that's not the case at all, that it's, it's really complex. It manifests itself in different ways, in different diseases, and in different people. And so some regions of the brain are affected in, in, in different pathological methods than others. Uh, so the the big one though was this basal ganglia effect, and that's why it's so connected with Huntington's. Uh, what they found interestingly is that um, the basal ganglia was often affected um, even beyond Huntington's cases. But if you guys recall, when we talked about Huntington's, is that the the basal ganglia is the region that's most affected. Um, that there's a loss of a particular subset of neurons that causes um, another subset to to be overactivated, so it's it's more difficult to control. And what we see is is the same concept here: is that a subset of neurons in the basal ganglia um, called the striatum 
as a, a brain region um, is is being negatively affected, which is decreasing a patient's ability to have voluntary movement. Um, so that was a big region they found. And, and what was interesting is that they found a lot of uh, differential metabolism going on in this region and some cell death. But what they didn't find, um, a, a bunch of studies failed to find uh, functional connectivity differences in fMRIs. So fMRI, like I said, is the functional MRI. So it's, it's what's going on while you are acting or thinking or moving or what have you. And so what you're looking for are functional differences. Um, I'm not sure, maybe like a post office is a good comparison that uh, perhaps you lose a post office or two, um, you know, as FedEx becomes dominant, but that the overall ability to, you know, ship mail across the U.S. remains the same. This is kind of what the study was was saying, that there are brain regions that were, were losing uh, some neural populations, but that the connection seemed to be similar and, and retained. So it was kind of uh, intriguing and a little paradoxical for this meta-analysis, again, sort of showing that there's a lot we still need to know. Um, another one was genetics. You mentioned that one. They found uh, a couple of diseases that have carriers for particular genes that people uh, that this study found. So McLeod uh, disease and spinocerebellar spinocerebellar ataxia. Sorry, uh, seventeen is a gene that they call SCA seventeen. Um, both of these they they saw. Uh, metabolic and cellular differences in these brain regions, meaning um, that the functioning of these cells was inhibited somehow. These are genes that we previously hadn't really looked at before. Uh, so that's that's another difference. Like I said, we used to just focus on Huntington's, but now you're seeing it in, in these other diseases as well. Um, the one that interested me the most was this uh, dopaminergic receptor. So what episode did we do like neurotransmitters and stuff maybe two three uh between two three or four one of those <laughs> nice uh anyway so you'll probably remember dopamine you've heard that thrown out there before uh, but it's a type of neurotransmitter that is best known for its involvement with parkinson so that's the the drug you take is a precursor to dopamine um but we we have a decreased uh, dopamine, specifically a dopamine 2 receptor concentration presynaptically in these regions. What that means is, is that there, um, this dopamine regulation of movement, which you see that in Parkinson's, to give someone dopamine helps them regulate movement, um, that there's a loss of the receptor that helps to regulate that movement. So again, like this is a, a huge discovery um, that we don't really understand fully because we also saw that in many patients that after a certain time period, they would have an upregulation of dopamine receptors to try and correct for the issue that had developed, oftentimes unsuccessfully. Uh, so we don't really understand what's going on, but this is something we had never dreamed we would necessarily find when doctors would treat or, or discuss um, chorea before. Um, yeah, just super interesting to me, because that's really getting down to sort of the molecular neuron functioning aspect of things. But uh, that that's what I found. I think the meta-analysis was was the most helpful to me. Uh, but to run it back by you one more time, there's some anatomical and regional things that we see the basal ganglia is the big one. And that's interesting because that's also what we see affected in Huntington's. And um, we, even in, in Parkinson's as well, in the 
um, Substantia nigra. But anyway, that's a whole other podcast. Uh, we also see some hypometabolism. As I mentioned that one is meaning that they're functioning, um, their nutrient and breakdown of glucose is somehow affected and it's decreased. Um, so that's number two. Number three, some extra genetics we're discovering. So we've always kind of seen Huntington's, but we're seeing more now, uh, which is also fascinating because it's not just limited to Huntington's. And then four, which is my favorite, is just the weird stuff going on with dopamine receptors because it's down initially, uh, only presynaptically, and then it changes to be increased later. And um, so that's a real mystery kind of waiting to be solved. So as you can tell, there's a, there's a lot of movement um, to discovering things, but still a lot left to be discovered. So that's what I got for you. Nice. So you basically, you stole my section where I get to try and repeat everything more concisely. So no, no, you got it. it. You're going to do it. Yeah, that's, that's totally that's your, your thing. I wanted to sort of clarify my <laughs> own thoughts for our wonderful listeners. No, this is, I think this will be effective. See, you do it once and then I do it again. I reinforce it. Probably not in as well of a way, but, you know, it's close. In an right? effective way, though. Effective. Something? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so. Lay it on me. What you got? We, got? we got issues with the basal ganglia. Yes. You all know that. And you all know that we notice this kind of stuff with Huntington's disease. Yes, sir. Um, but not just Huntington's disease. We also notice the issues just with Corium. Um Right. And so what's happening is these neurons are negatively affected. Um but we can't really, we don't really find the uh, functional differences there. So we see that these are negatively affected, but it still seems like the other stuff kind of works like it had been. So we don't really know what's going on there. Right, exactly. Um, Until like the breaking point, obviously, um, when you start to see the symptoms manifest themselves. But uh, And then we have just the genetic stuff. Cells aren't functioning well and they're breaking down of glucose, things like that. Yep. Um, and we also have the dopamine neurotransmitter issues where they decrease in receptors um, that help with movement. Um, so that kind of makes sense, but then it doesn't make sense that when there's an increase in those receptors, it doesn't seem to fix it. Right. Um, yeah. So that was what was interesting to me because my immediate thought was it's the body's way of trying to solve a problem, but it seems like it's a little bit too late. So by the time that your your movement is affected, um, what I what I kind of think is uh, muscles and, and brain regions can atrophy uh, when they're not being used. That's how kind of synaptic plasticity works. And so if you're not using them, by the time your body upregulates this this dopamine receptor, uh, you've kind of already lost a lot of the function and a lot of the, the cell um, bodies. And it, at that point, it's hard to go back, which is um, completely just theorizing and trying to make sense of confusing science but that's what i love about sort of cutting edge science a lot of times it doesn't make sense and you know we're here trying to figure it out yeah so basically we still don't know exactly what's going on but we know a lot more about what we don't know which is exactly often the case but it's progress and it's good that should be science's slogan <laughs> still don't know what's going on but we know a lot more than we did and that's good progress speaking of knowing a lot more just so everyone listening knows a lot more oh boy mri stands for <laughs> magnetic resonance imaging oh man so, that's embarrassing i really should know that well i had to google it so <laughs> yeah but still man anyway educating people everywhere including myself and there you go and functional magnetic resonance imaging would be not just a still image so 
Well, yeah, I think that's all we got. Thanks for listening to our podcast about brains. If you uh, if you want to also be a guest introductor, introducer, guest speaker, if you want to be Sean, send in a little clip and we'll see what we can do. The, the quality is good enough. Um, just do a little voice memo on your phone or come and hang out with us when we're recording. That's also allowed. And then otherwise, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, pbwithjays at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We're working on that one. But, uh, you know, that's this. BB with Jays. <laughs> <laughs>